Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. I apologize for not getting this into your feed. Last night, I was spending time with my nephew, and I sincerely apologize. But please welcome to the show tonight to chill our spines in our first episode for the month of August as we go back to the golden age of radio and we bring to the show writers, producers, and directors this month. Please welcome screenwriter, novelist, and old-time radio writer, Mr. Robert Newman. Mr. Newman started his career out in the 1930s writing screenplays for old-time radio shows such as Inner Sanctum Mysteries, Murder at Midnight, Mystery Theater, and then the CBS Mystery Theater all-time radio show. But tonight, Mr. Newman brings to the show two of his old-time radio writing abilities that will not only chill your spine but make you bite your fingernails as well in this first episode it is from the ABC old time radio show murder at midnight and it is called the heavy death in this episode a young man is running through and trying to get to a police station to tell a police officer and a doctor his side of a very bizarre but very real story and in the second episode from the NBC all-time radio mystery show inner sanctum mysteries the title of that episode is called the dark chamber where a very deranged but very wise old man is playing a cat and mouse game with people putting them in a dire need for an experiment that he is protruding upon them I hope you guys enjoy Mr. Robert Newman and the two episodes guaranteed to chill your spines. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys, and enjoy the show. Thanks. tube was pointing at Matson's body. When the switch went in, there was a whining noise. And then a white light shot out of it. I know you won't believe this. When it hit the body, it, it went all soft. It was just like the bones had gone out of it. It just went all soft and kind of poured off the chair and onto the floor. Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest. Our fears the strongest, and our strength at its lowest ebb. 
midnight when the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in The Heavy Death. And now, Murder at Midnight. Tales of mystery and terror by radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story, written by Robert Newman, is a weird and fantastic nightmare called The Heavy Death. A road just outside the small town of Medford. And running up it, his face white and terror-stricken in the moonlight is a small, slight man. He pauses every once in a while, his breath whistling in his nostrils, listening, then runs on again. Finally, seeing the two green lights of the state police barracks, he moans with relief and runs in. Thank God there's somebody here. I was afraid. Look, officer, you've got to get me away from here fast. Huh? Uh, just a minute, Mike. Take it easy. Easy? You'll be here any minute coming after me. i got to get away, I tell you. And I'm I... telling you to take it easy. Just wait till I get through talking to Dr. Carden Dr. here. Dr. Carden? Are you Dr. Carden lives in a big white house near the river? Why, yes. Well, then you can tell him it's true. Otherwise, he won't believe me. Nobody will. It was you who swiped a big glass thing from, from your laboratory. A Geiger counter? You stole it? Well, he, he made me do it. Oh, now, whoa. This is getting interesting. That's why Dr. Carden's here. You know anything about his assistant? Young chap named Matson? Yeah. He's dead. He killed him. Matson? Matson dead? Maybe you better start from the beginning. Tell us the whole story. Yeah, but I did it the right time. He'd be coming after me and... Oh, okay. Like I said, you won't believe it. My name's Sullivan. They call me Shell because I'm a come on with Brian's giant carnival. Weight guessing is my racket, but I turn my hand at almost anything. You know, Shell, game three, card, Marty. Well, we hit town about, about ten days ago for a three-day stand. The first two nights was pretty quiet. The third one was when it happened there. There was a pretty fair crowd around, and I was warming him up for some weight guessing, with maybe some side bets, when he came up. Okay, folks, okay, step up, step up, hurry up, and let Porky Sullivan guess your weight. A cupid doll, if I'm three pounds off, either way. Now, what do you say, lady? Your weight's not like your age, you know. <laughs> it always shows. <laughs> what about you, sir? Guess your weight? Do you really think you can? Do I think? Ha <laughs> ha! Listen to him, folks. You bet your sweet life, brother. Oh, I have already. The question is, will you bet your sweet life? What? What do you mean? Look, do you want me to guess your weight or not, huh? On the terms I outlined, why, yes. I'll be glad to have you try. Try, try, sissy. Okay, folks, here we go. Now, let's see. Mm-hmm. A big man, a solid man. Hefty pair of arms on him. I say, uh... One hundred and ninety-five pounds. One hundred and ninety-five. And three pounds off either way, and you get a cupid doll. Now, just sit right down here on the scale. There you are. Hey. Hey, what goes on here? You broke my scale. Yes. It only goes up to three hundred and fifty pounds. Three hundred and... What do you got in your pockets? Would you like to look? Nah. No, I don't know how you did it, but more power to you, brother. When I lose, that pay with a smile. Well, here's your cupid. Thank you. No, that's not what we bet. What? What do you mean? I think you know what I mean. The carnival closes in about an hour. I'll be waiting. 
walking off slow and heavy. The crowd stood around for a couple of minutes, gaping at the broken scale and talking. Then they all decided it was some kind of a gag and went on and forgot about it. For me, I couldn't forget about it. Somehow I didn't think it was a gag. There was something about him. The way he moved, the way he talked, it scared the pants off me. I hung around for a while, getting my stuff together, and then I looked up Rube Thomas. Rube's a big guy. Used to be a wrestler, and he was just closing up his Wheel of Fortune. Hiya, Rube. How are they going? Uh, not bad for one horse town. How's it you? Oh, not too bad. Till some wise guy busted my scale. Huh? Busted your scale? Yeah. Um, well, Rube, that's why I come over. He was a queer duck. I just couldn't figure his pitch, but he... He said something about waiting for me when he closed up, so I thought... So, could... so you're taught maybe you should have some protection walking out of the station. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hot one. What is? You're on your side bets. Well, don't worry about it. Ain't no one gonna lay a finger on you when you're with Rube Thomas. I helped Rube take down the wheel. But even then, we were about the last to leave the fairgrounds. We went out through the main gate. It was pretty dark, but... I wasn't worried anymore. I'd never yet seen anybody Rube couldn't handle. Then I heard footsteps. Slow and heavy ones. And then... There you are. And I've been waiting for you. Yeah? No kidding? Just the guy? Yeah. Okay, bub. What's the pitch? What's your racket? Racket? There's no racket. Your friend and I had a bet. I've come to collect. Yeah? Well, I'll tell you a funny thing about carnivals. When we pull up stakes and get ready to go, all bets is off. I'm afraid this one can't be called off. You see, I need him. You need him? Yes. You bet your life, remember? And you lost. You mean you... Oh, you're nuts. Uh, people who have thought so, but I'm not. Shall we go? No. No, I ain't gonna... Rube! Take it easy, Shell. I told you all bets was off, mister. Now you're gonna blow him, I'm gonna have to get rough with you. I wouldn't if I were you. No? Well, here's one just for luck. Oh, oh my hand. I warned you. Oh, you. I'll break your bloody neck. I'm sorry, I didn't want to hurt you. You won't believe this. Like, you probably won't believe what happened afterwards. He didn't swing or anything. He just kind of... Dropped his fist on Rube's head. And he smashed in his skull like it hit him with a lead pipe. Good logic. You killed him. Yes. Shall we go? No, no, I... Look at me. Into my eyes. That's right. Now remember this. You're mine. Mine to do with exactly as I wish. And you do exactly what I wish. Do you understand? Yes. Yes, yes. Good. Then let's go. Something happened. Happened to me then and there. Something I ain't over yet. It wasn't just that I was scared, more scared than I've ever been in my life. It was something else. When I looked into his eyes, it was like I just plain didn't count. That no one or nothing did. Then I just had to do whatever he wanted, whatever he said. We got in his car and drove to his to your place, Doc, and we stopped in front of it and he pointed at a kind of low building behind it. That is Dr. Carden's laboratory. He has something there I need. A Geiger counter. You're going in and get it for me. You mean swipe it? Yes. It would take too much time to make one of my own, and as I said, I need it. 
Now, it's a long glass tube about this size with filaments inside it. Yeah, but suppose somebody sees me. Suppose somebody comes... Comes away in Washington with that childish atomic energy condition of theirs. There's only Matz and his assistant, and he must be sleeping. If he should try and stop you, well, you'll have to take care of him. But remember, I want that Geiger counter. Like I said, it was like I was numb. Didn't have a mind of my own. I did it. Found an open window. Went in and got what he wanted. Brought it out to him. He didn't say a word. He just put it in the back of the car and we drove away. It was about a quarter of twelve when we got to his place. Big rambling house at the foot of a mountain. He took me around the back to a kind of iron door and... Well, it was... It was like out of Buck Rogers, the 25th century. Big glass tubes, dynamos, wires. He must have noticed me staring because he said... Go ahead, look around. There's equipment here that doesn't exist any place else in the world. Yeah, but what's it all for? And if I told you, you'd be even more frightened than you are now. By the way, what's your name? Sullivan. Sure, Sullivan. I'm Dr. Vance. Dr. Brian Vance. Doctor? Of nuclear physics. Without doubt, the greatest scientist in the world today. Do you know anyone else who has been able to convert most of the elements of the human body into the heavy isotopes? Uh, look, I don't know what you mean, but is that... Yes. That is why not only my weight, but the entire atomic mass of my body's... What's that? Sounds like a car. Yes, but coop. Oh, Matson. He must have heard you in the laboratory, followed us. Well, I was as quiet as I could be honest. Yeah, there's nothing to be worried or excited about. Hello, Matson. Vance, I should have known it was you. Should have known what was me? A Stolar Geiger. You've done an awful lot of strange things in your career, Vance, but this time you've gone just a little too far. This time I've got you dead to rights. I'm afraid it's just the other way around, Matson. What do you mean? What? Vance. You don't really think I'd let you or anyone interfere with what I'm doing, do you? You... You killed him, you... Of course. Drag him over there out of the way. There's a certain experiment I'm just about ready to try, and his body will come in very handy. Sullivan staring at him in abject horror, Dr. Vance turns away from the body on the floor, lumbers over to one of his instruments, and begins examining it. And far away, in the town's church steeple, the clock strikes twelve for... Murder at midnight. Murder at Midnight and The Heavy Death. It's just a moment later. Sergeant Rowe and Dr. Carden staring incredulously at Sullivan as he pauses for a moment in his terrifying story. Then the trooper says, We did find Thomas's body out by the fairground, but it was an accident. Hit by a truck or something. You mean this Vance killed Madsen just like that? Shot him without ten and a half. Uh, sure sounds to me like Dr. Carden, what do you think? I don't know, Sergeant. I do know Vance. I knew that he had a laboratory somewhere near here. and Well, it's true that he probably knows as much about nuclear physics as anyone in the world. 
We tried several times to get him to work with us during the war, but he laughed at us, said that what we were doing was childish. Yes, but but, but this other business is changing himself, making himself heavy. Yeah, even his voice was heavy-like. Is that possible, Doctor? Theoretically, yes, I suppose it is. After all, Professor Yuri did it with hydrogen, made heavy water, and we've done it with uranium. Yes, but why would he want to do it? Why? There I can only guess. For all his genius, I've always felt Vance was a little mad. It's possible he believes that by changing the atomic weight of his body, he can make it immune to disease. Yeah, that's right. It's true. He said he was going to live forever. Uh, Well, go on, Sullivan. What happened after that? He made me help him do things around the laboratory. Wire and stuff like that. Seems he got tired pretty easy and his hands was too heavy to do work that was delicate-like. Maybe that's why he needed someone else around. Finally, I... Couldn't keep my eyes open anymore, and I fell asleep on a cot in the corner. I don't know if he ever slept or not. If he did, I never seen him. When I woke up, it was around noon, and he had Matson's body propped up in a chair against a... just a kind of a silver screen. So you finally got up, eh, Sullivan? I was just going to wake you. Uh, yes, sir. I... I'm kind of hungry, sir. Yes, food. Well, you're going to help me with a little experiment first, and then we can eat. Yes, sir. Uh, what kind of experiment? For you... You mean... Why, yes. An experiment on our friend Matson's body. He won't mind. Just a little calcium transmutation. First, we switch on our alpha generator here. Then we make a few frequency adjustments. What? What are you going to do? You'll see. Over there, stand by that master switch on the converter. When I give the word... Yes, sir. Let it climb just a little higher... A little higher. Now! Oh, good Lord. No, no. There's a kind of glass tube pointing at Madsen's body. When I threw the switch, a white light shot out of it. I know you won't believe this. When it hit the body, it went all soft. It's like the bones had gone out of it just went all soft and kind of poured off the chair out of the floor. I must have faded or something when I come to. Vance was standing over me, smiling. Anything the matter, Sullivan? Don't you feel well? Uh, yes, yeah, I, I'm all right. I was just a, That was the most awful, most terrible thing. Sullivan, if you were a soldier and you saw that happen to the man next to you, would you feel much like fighting after that? What? You, you mean you're going to do that? I'd to... advise you not to ask too many questions. We'll dispose of the rest of the body later, but now let's eat. Like I said, it was just about a week ago. I can't really tell you what happened after that because I was in a daze most of the time. We worked, him showing me what to do, wire and solder and stuff. We ate. Sometimes he let me sleep. Then this morning it happened. I woke up at about ten. He was standing looking at this thing we've been making. Well, Sullivan, it's finished. Just a few adjustments and we were ready to go. Yes, sir. I'm profoundly grateful to you for your help. I will show you how grateful in a very concrete fashion. You mean you're going to let me go? You're going to let me go? Go? 
really, Sullivan. That's a little foolish, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I just thought... Yeah, I... I guess it is. Well... Where are you going? Uh, inside to fix some breakfast. No, Sullivan. No food for you. Not today. No food? No. Because tonight you're going to enjoy a tremendous experience. One I experienced myself several months ago. And the process is much simpler when the stomach is empty. Process? You... You mean you... You're going to make me like you? Heavy? Yes, Sullivan. I told you I was grateful to you and... Oh, no, Doc. No, please, will you? For heaven's sake, You're being rather childish. I'm not going to bother detailing what it will mean to you physiologically. The immunities it will give you. I will merely tell you that we'll do it tonight. Getting changed to become like he was. Heavy as lead. Well, it did something to me. It was like I'd been doped, hypnotized... All that time afraid to do anything to make him mad. Now, now I was even more scared to stay. I made out like everything was fine and I waited. I waited and watched. Then about an hour ago, I got my chance. He went into the house to get something. He didn't lock the door. I was out like a shot, grabbed his car and started down the driveway. As I went past the house, I heard a window open. Gentlemen, come back! Come back! You'll regret this! You'll regret it! story. I was so jittery I went to a ditch just outside of town and had to run the rest of the way. I don't care whether you believe me or not, whether you think I'm nuts, what you do to me. I just want one thing. Get me away from here. Get me far away fast. Because he's going to be coming after me. I know it. Well, I'm not saying what I think. Not yet. What about you, Dr. Carden? I, I wouldn't like to say either. Knowing Vance, I believe he's capable of everything Sullivan told us. And theoretically, everything he described is no, possible. I told you, I don't care whether you believe me or not. Just get me away from here. I can't for an hour or so. I have to call Bridgeton, have them send down some men. And we can really go into this. In the meantime, I'll... I'll put you in one of the detention cells. You'll be okay there. Are they strong? Really strong? Plenty strong enough to keep you in and anyone else out. Come on. <laughs> Can't you hear me? Sergeant! Dr. Cobb! Oh. Oh, gee, Sarge. I was starting to get a little worried. I was a... You. Yes, Sullivan. You didn't really think you were going to get away, did you? What are you going to do? You can't do anything. The cell door is locked. Is it? Let's see. There, you see... You can't break it down. You can't. It's steel. Yes, Sullivan. But steel can be smashed if it has to be. No. I told you you'd regret running away, didn't no, I? No, no. I'll look, I'll come back. I'll do anything you want. I'll... I'm afraid it's too late, Sullivan. No. Too late for anything but this. Dr. Carton. Huh? Did you hear it, too? I'm not sure. But it did sound like... This way, Quick. Good Lord. Look at that cell door. Oh, and Sullivan. His, his skull. Smashed like an eggshell. Well, Sergeant? I guess I must be nuts, too. Well, look, Doc. He must have just left here. He 
If we wait for the men from Bridgeton, give him time enough to get back to his place to those blasted gray things of his, there's no telling what he'll do, how many lives he'll cost. But if we leave right now, the two of us, maybe we can get there before him. Cut him off. What do you say? You game? I'm game, Sergeant. Let's go. Laboratory's probably around and back. Well, Sergeant, the lights are on. Yeah. Maybe he left them on when he came into town and got Sullivan. Or maybe... No. No, listen. He's back. We're too late. What in heaven's name is that? An electrostatic generator or a cyclotron. He's... Oh, good Lord. Up the mountain there. Look. Great Scott. Looks like a hole or something. But it's moving. A neutron beam. Disintegrating. Eating its way into the mountain. He must have found some way of harnessing... Dr. Garden, swinging his way. Must have seen us. Come on, run. No good, Sergeant. Seems to have a range of almost half a mile. But, but eating through solid rock that way. If it hits us... You came to see just what Vance was doing, eh, Garden? <laughs> Well, take a good look. The last one you'll ever take at anything. Well, you shall be the first to... Uh, did you think that you were going to get away with it, Vance? Who is that? Take a look at the guy. Gentlemen, it's too much. I've got to cut that down. And what'll happen when you release the load? But, but I've got to cut it down. Besides, you're, you're dead, Sullivan. Yeah, that's because I'm dead that you'll join me. You can't do it alone. Too heavy. I, I too slow. Time's any higher. Good Lord, I... The generator. I've got to cut that down, too. <laughs> Dr. Garden. Dr. Garden, where are you? Over. Over here, Sergeant. You all right? Uh, a little shaken up, but yes, I'm all right. Oh, the laboratory. A whole house. Look. Yes. What happened? Something. Something got out of control. Too much centrifugal force, or the load released too suddenly, and the whole thing exploded. Now there are things that we'll never know. Except something we knew already. That science can either be man's servant or his master. And his doom. And as I stand there, gazing at the smoking ruins that were once Vance's laboratory, through the blessed silence comes the distant clang of the clock in the town's church steeple. For the second time, striking twelve for... Murder at Midnight. Remember.
remember to be with us again when death hovers like a dark cloud and the clocks strike twelve for murder at midnight. Part of Shield Sullivan was played by Frank Reddick. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader. and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you through the squeaking door. Draw up a tombstone to sit down. Don't mind the fact that we've carved your name on it. (laughs) It's rather lonesome around here tonight, isn't it? Yes, most of the folks who haunt the place are out tonight with their sleds. If it snowed near your house, you may find them ghosting down here. Mr. Host, ghosts don't go sledding, do they? Well, of course, Mary. Especially the ghosts of gangsters. They're used to being taken for a sleigh ride. Well, now, why don't you take your sled and join your friends and let me have a word with our Lipton listeners? Folks, have you ever noticed how often we all use the words good, better, and best? We're always comparing things because comparisons help us decide what the best things in life are. For example, the perfect way to prove how really flavorful Lipton tea is is to compare Lipton's to any other tea and taste the difference. Lipton's flavor is brisk, never flat or wishy-washy. It gives you all the flavor, tastes just the way you like tea best. No other tea gives you more bright, mellow goodness because that superb flavor of Lipton's is extra rich, extra satisfying. Yes, friends, just compare Lipton's to any other tea. You'll find Lipton's gives you brisk flavor, and you'll find Lipton's wonderful brisk flavor gives you more contentment in every cup. All right, Mary. Now you go and perch yourself on that teapot over there and get ready to hear about The Dark Chamber. It's an original radio play by Robert Newman, who witnessed the story while peeking through a keyhole. Yes, and our star tonight is Kenneth Lynch, who plays the role of Joe. Our story tonight is about death. Violent death. And also about something which is even more terrifying, the unknown. 
You don't believe that anything can be more frightening than death? Then you've never experienced the ultimate in fear. But you will within the next few minutes. If you'll put out the lights, pull your chair up close and listen to the dark chamber. Police headquarters, Ryan speaking. Hello, police. Listen, you've got to help me. You've got to. I don't know how you can, but... My name is Watson, Joe Watson. I'm a driver for the Acme Sanitary Hand Laundry. Address? Where I am, I... I don't know. That's part of the trouble. Now, look. Hey, wait, listen. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Check the laundry. Check the veterans. I'm an ex-GI. They'll tell you I'm straight. Well, I'm in a room someplace. I don't know where it is or how I got here or what I'm here for. I don't even know how long I've been here. It's a big room, but it's funny. No doors, no windows that I can see. It's just a couple of chairs and a table with this phone on it. I'm scared. What do you expect us to do? Find me. Find out what this is all about and get me out of here. I I don't know. Oh, listen, this isn't a gag. Can't you tell? You don't know what it's like just sitting here waiting, not knowing where or why or what's going to happen. Can't you trace this call or something? Well, okay. Hang on. Oh, thank heaven. I was afraid... Listen, I hear something. Someone's coming. I better hang up. I'll, I'll call you back later if I can. How do you do? Who are you? My name's Helming. Dr. John Helming. And your name? I don't have to tell you anything. That's very true. Although I didn't think you were aware of it. I think I already know everything about you that I'm interested in knowing. Like what? Name? Joseph Watson, age 26, occupation, employee of the Acme Laundry, honorably discharged from the army six months ago with the Brown Star and the Purple Heart. What the... So you cased me. Went through my pockets, huh? Well, if you know that much, you know I haven't got any dough. Money? I'm not interested in money. What do you want, then? Where is this place? The last thing I remember is making a delivery on Spruce Street, noticing that the lights were out in the hall and hearing a noise behind me. You or somebody slugged me. That's right. Well, will you stop grinning like that and tell me what this is all about? Of course. I brought you here because I need your help in an experiment. An experiment whose details I've already worked out with mice and rabbits and cats and other animals. What kind of an experiment? An experiment in fear. Fair. Yes. You fought in the war. You were wounded. That means you've probably known fear. And still, you won the Bronze Star, which means you overcame it. Now, the question is, can you overcome your present fears? What are you talking about? You're afraid. Nothing has happened to you yet, absolutely nothing, and yet you are afraid, aren't you? You're afraid because you're face to face with the unknown. Because you don't know what I want and what I'm planning to do. Um, which is as it should be. And uh, that's the way we'll leave it. For the moment. Hey, wait a minute. Come back here. Come back. You can't... Hello, police. This is Joe Watson again. Listen, I got a little more dope. I don't know if it'll help, but there was a guy in here just now. Said his name was Helming, John Helming. That's probably a phony. He's about 50, tall, over six foot, white hair and gray eyes. No, I still don't know what it's all about or what he's after, but have you been able to trace this number yet? Well, how long will it take? 
Okay, I'll hang on, but... What? The lights just went out. The room's pitch dark and somebody's coming in again. I better stop. But for Pete's sake, hurry! Who's that? Who just came in? Who are you? A girl. Keep away from me. Keep away, do you hear? Keep away? What's the angle now? Angle? Why did you bring me here? Wait a minute. You mean he put the snatch on you, too? When I was on my way home, chloroform or something. And the next thing I knew... Why are you pretending? You're in on it, too. You must be. It's a trap. It's a trap, all right. But I'm not in on it. I'm in it, along with you. My name is Watson. Joe Watson. I'm Betty Grant. You swear? I swear. What would I lie about it for? I wonder why he put you in here. Put us together. Who is he? What's he going to do? I don't know. He said something about an experiment. An experiment in fear, but... Hey, listen, we've got to get out of here somehow, some way. He might be listening. Very astute, my dear. Of course I'm listening. What the... Where are you? Right here in the dark. I've been here all the time. Why are you... No, Joe, don't. He must want you to go for him. He's probably got a gun. Right again, my dear. Not that I'll need it. This is stage two of the experiment. A new stimulus to action has been introduced. Man against the unknown has become man and woman against the unknown. Look, let's get down to brass tacks. Be sensible about this. Thank you, Joe. That's why I won't need my gun. This new uh, stimulus has been negated by an increased sense of responsibility. Responsibility towards the girl, and therefore, by uh, increased fear. Blast you, gun or no gun, if I get my hands on you! Where are you? Where are you? Outside now, so you can relax. That was the final stimulus in this stage. Injured pride. The discovery that I could read your innermost thoughts and knew exactly what you were going to do. But you mustn't let that bother you. I already know everything you're going to do from now on. Till the end. Listen, you! Helming! Helming! He's gone. Joe. I know. Hold on, baby. Don't let it get you. There must be a way, some way. You suppose he's still listening? It's hard to say. But I'm going to take a chance. There's one thing he didn't figure on. A telephone. Here? Yes. If I can find it again in the dark. It was over on the... Here it is. I put through two calls already to the police. Told them what was happening and asked them to get me out of here. I had to hang up both times before they could trace the call and get this number, but this time... Hello. Hello, operator. What? No, this isn't the operator. You're on a busy wire. It doesn't matter. Thank heaven I got somebody. I've been trying for about ten minutes now. Hey, look, get off the line, will you? I've got to get through to the police. It's terribly important. But you've got to help me. You've got to. My name's Ben Lazarian. I'm a prisoner someplace. I don't know where. You what? It's true. A strange house somewhere. A doctor who says his name is Helmy. What? <laughs> what are you laughing at? Joe, what is it? What is it? I haven't got headquarters. I've got a guy that... I'm sorry, Ben. It's no use. What do you mean? We're 
We're in the same boat you are. A girl named Betty Grant and myself. Helming's got us locked up, too. You too? Yeah. He said he knew everything we were thinking, everything we were going to do. I did get through to the police before, but I guess he caught wise. We're talking to each other over an inside line. Then... Yeah. We're through. No! Joe, don't say that. Don't even think it. Look, ask him exactly where he is. Just where are you, Ben? Do you know? It's hard to say. I was out cold when he brought me here. It's a kind of a hall, a passageway. Cement floor, ceiling, stone walls. There doesn't seem to be any door or opening or anything like that. That's what I thought here, too. But there must be one, or how would he have gotten you in there? Hey, listen, start looking. See if you can find it. That's true. I never thought of that. If I do find the door and it opens into where you are... That's right. Three of us together. We'll surely be able to figure something out then. Hold on. I'll start pounding on the walls. You see if you hear anything. Go ahead. What's he doing? He's going to knock on the walls to see if he's anywhere near us. And if he is, if he can find a door, we can get together. Hear anything? I'm not sure. Maybe. I'm not sure either. Sounds awful far away, is it? There, listen. That wall right there. Hello. Hello, Ben. Yes? We heard you. You're right next to us. Now, Ben, you listen and Betty will knock back. Go ahead, Betty. That way, Ben, you'll be able to tell just which wall it is. Okay. Right. I hear it. I know where it is. Now to find the door, if there is one. Hold on. He's got it. He's going to see if there's a door. There must be one. There must be. Ben. And... Ben. Ben. Hello. What is it? I don't know. I thought it hurts... A moan. Joe! Look! There is a door. It's opening. It's open. Joe! Dr. Helming. Why, yes. Were you expecting someone? If you mention it, Doctor, there was someone we've been expecting and waiting for since we first heard about that cozy little place of yours. I think he's finally arrived. He's a tall, rather striking gentleman with a skull for a face, and his name is Death. Mr. Host, that Dr. Helming is insane. <sighs> he gives me the chills. Oh, maybe it's just because it's so cold tonight, Mary. You know, it's getting so nippy these days that some of my friends are having fur collars put on their shrouds. <laughs> well, my friends are smarter. They know that the way to warm up in cold weather is with a hot cup of fragrant, delicious Lipton tea. A cup of tea in front of the fireplace just hits the sot these chilly days. But make it Lipton's and your pleasure's complete. You brew up a pot of Lipton's, throw another log on the fire, and summer tiptoes right into the room. Let the wind blow and the snow pile up on the roof. There's all the magic of June in a cup of Lipton's, in its deep amber color, its tantalizing fragrance, and its rich, hearty flavor. Mmm, and what flavor that is. Never wishy-washy. Always brisk and full and satisfying. Try it, folks. You can let winter do its worst when you've got Lipton's in your cup. That's right, Mary. But I think it's time now for something a little more cold-blooded, such as a cold-blooded murder. 
We're having a juicy one here tonight. Tale of gore galore, so let's see what's happening in the dark chamber. It's just a moment later now. Standing in the darkness of the strange room, Joe and Betty stare at the tall figure of Dr. Helming, silhouetted against the dim light from outside. I asked you whether you were expecting someone. Then it was just a trick. It was you on the phone all the time. Now, don't you think I'd know his voice? Where, where is he? Our friend, Mr. Lazari, right outside. What did you do to him? Answer me, what did you do to him? Don't you know? Sure I know, you killed him, you... Did you kill him? Quite a state you've gotten yourself into. Why? Is it because you finally tried to do something about your predicament and failed? Or is it because you weren't sure whether I would kill or not, and because you still don't know? You're mad. Really mad. You'll be interested to know. You have not done, nor will you do, one thing that I did not foresee. Every move you made, every emotion you felt, was charted, outlined, and... What's that? That, I think, is probably the police... The police? Yes. I know that you're very anxious to talk to them, and I'll see that you get a chance to. Soon. Good evening, officer. I'm looking for a guy named Helming. Uh, Dr. Helming. I'm Dr. Helming. Come in, won't you? Okay. Thanks. Uh, this, is, uh, this is kind of a funny business. It's about a phone call we got a while ago. Finally traced here. The guy who said he was a prisoner or something. That must have been Watson. Yeah, yeah, that's his name. Joe Watson. Do you know him? Of course. I can't tell you how sorry I am. It was really very careless of me, and I'll see that it doesn't happen again. What do you mean? If you did any investigating, which I'm sure you did, then you know that I, um, well, I don't run a sanitarium exactly, but I do take a few patients, mental cases, for treatment. Ah, so that's it. A nut, eh? I, I wish you wouldn't say that. Watson's case is particularly interesting. A 4F who wasn't able to enlist, and he developed a persecution mania. Thinks that everyone is down on him. Not everyone, exactly. His present fantasy is that he's an ex-GI and that I'm keeping him prisoner. Sure sounds plenty tough. Well, I guess I'll run along. I... I'm sorry I bothered Don't you. Don't you want to see them first, officer? Talk to them? Ah, oh, there's no need of that, doctor. We, we get calls from cranks every day. We, we always investigate the cause. But I insist... After all, you only have my word for it. Uh, there's, um... Well, there's just one thing I'd like to caution you about. Sure, sure, I know. I'll play along. Humor them. Splendid. Right in here. Hmm. It's quite a room. Joe! Look! It, it's a cop, and that means... Then you did get my message. Uh, sure, sure, Joe. Took a little time to trace a call, but uh, everything's okay. Oh, thank heaven. It was such a screwy story, I was afraid that... Hey, wait a minute. Then why is he standing there like that? Why haven't you got the bracelets on him? After to tell me? No need for any rough stuff. He said he'd come along quietly. What? You're but... lying. I don't know why, but there's something wrong here. Something... I know. You think we made the whole thing up. But we're crazy. I know, no, no. It's true. He told you we were, and you believed him. Of course not. Look, I... I stop don't... it, will you? Stop saying that. Well, if I could only prove it somehow, show you. I know. 
With Zary. Joe. Murder. That'll open your eyes. Somewhere in that wall is a door. Make them open it. Show you what's behind it. I think maybe it better be going down. But there is a door there, officer. Just a second. I'll open it for you. Here we are. Joe. Body. It's gone. <laughs> it's doctors are always hiding the bodies. Returns up again later. Give us another ring, huh? I shouldn't have said that. Uh, can I go up this way down? Down to the end of the corridor, then to your right. I, I'm sorry I gave you all this trouble. It'll be all right. Thank you for being so understanding. Quite all right. Goodbye. Goodbye, Doc. Well, children? Don't look that way, Joe. Don't. I know what you're thinking, and it's not true. We're not crazy. There was a body there. Of course. You hid it when you went out to let the cop in. And the telephone. You left that here purposely. Wanted me to use it. Get the police here. Obviously. I told you that this was to be an experiment in fear. What I didn't tell you was that, in a sense, I was one of the subjects, too. It was important for me to learn how I would function under pressure. And speaking objectively, I think I did rather well. Don't Why? you? Why are you doing all this? What are you after? There's no reason why I shouldn't tell you. If anyone truly understands the nature of fear, is able accurately to forecast the actions and reactions of an individual, then he can use fear as a weapon. Society will react as the individual reacts. You see, society doesn't want to believe that anything can menace it. Doesn't want to take action to protect itself any more than the individual does. This was something that Hitler and Mussolini understood intuitively. I understand it scientifically. They failed, but I shall succeed. You, you mean that you... I'm afraid that's all I have time for. As far as you two are concerned, the experiment is finished. Completely finished. I have a few arrangements to take care of, and then, uh, well, make the best of these last few minutes, uh, for they will be your last. Joe, do you hear anything? Is he coming back? Not yet. He's going to kill us, isn't he? Just the way he killed Lazari. He's going to try to. Why are you sitting there like that? Looking at me. Hmm? I guess because it's the first chance I've had to look at you. How do you mean? When they first put you in here, it was all dark. So many things happened after that. It's funny. What is? The things that you can tell about a person even in the dark. I kind of thought you were little and... I knew you were awful nice and had a lot of nerve, but I didn't think you'd be so pretty. I'm not so pretty, Joe. I'm not very brave either. I'm scared. I'm awful scared. And I don't want to die. Don't worry about it, baby. Don't think about it. Just sitting here like this, waiting. 
nothing we can do. Every time we did try to do something, it was something he knew about. He was expecting us to do. Please, baby. Joe, something happened to you. You were scared before, too, but now... It was not knowing that was scary. Not knowing what was going to happen or why or what you could do about it. But once you do know, once you make up your mind, then you've got to forget about it. Forget about everything. Make up your mind about what? This is going to sound kind of funny, especially now, but... Well, do you have anyone special? A fellow, I mean, that... Why... Oh, no. That's good. I mean, well, gee, it's a shame we never met before. If we had, we wouldn't be here now. I, I mean, we probably would have been out together someplace. And what time do you get through work usually? About six. The store closes at five thirty. But me too. I could have picked you up at about six. Joe, and... I hear something. He's coming. Yeah. Okay, get up. Over in the corner of the room so that he'll see you as soon as he opens the door. What about you? I'll be waiting over here, behind the door. Joe, you, you, you're not yeah. going to... I know I haven't got much of a chance, but... Well, wish me luck. But it'll be quick anyway. Oh, no, Joe, please. All right, my young friend. I'm... All my arrangements have been completed, and I'm... Where's Watson? Right here. Joe, stop it! It's okay, baby. It didn't get me. I got the barrel of the gun. Good Lord. Got him. In the chest. But you couldn't have done that. You couldn't have. Outside, Betty. See if you can find another phone. Call the police again. And this time, tell them to bring an ambulance. But you couldn't have done it. It was... All plotted, graphed, and worked out in detail. I knew just what you were going to do, how you would react. By this time, you were to be in a state of complete frustration, resigned, ready to die. Why did you do it? Why? I don't know. I'll just take it easy. I've got to know. You've got to tell me. Was it because of the girl? Out of desperation? Because you (laughs) knew you were going to die anyway? I tell you, I don't know. I just know that... Well, a guy will take just so much pushing around. Pushing around, eh? Well, it sounds to me as if one of our characters is going to get a lot of pushing around. At the end of a pitchfork and in a very warm climate. Yes, good old Helming's finished. He's got to be if we're to have at least two corpses, the inner sanctum minimum. Oh, you think that's a little arbitrary? Not at all. We've got to have at least two corpses to play our theme song. When a body meets a body. (laughs) Theme song? I didn't know we had one. Oh, Mary, we've got lots of them. 
Didn't you ever hear our skeleton song? I ain't got no body. Hmm? Mr. Host, <laughs> let's be serious for a moment, because I want to talk about one of the most serious things in life, our health. For instance, the war may eventually lead to an increase in tuberculosis. And that's why the makers of Lipton tea and Lipton soup have asked me to remind you of the annual sale of Christmas seals. Funds raised by this sale support tuberculosis control programs, x-rays, health education, and medical research. Remember, over a half million people in the United States and Canada suffer from this disease. So buy as many Christmas seals as you can. No one is safe from tuberculosis until everyone is safe. And Christmas seals can save lives. And now, friends, here's a word of wholesome advice. If you've had any murderous thoughts lately, give them up. It uh, just doesn't pay. Well, I know a lady who killed off her husband, and you know, it just ruined her marriage. Yes, he grew very cold to her. <laughs> oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is The Fearful Passage by H.C. Branson. Yes, in next week's Inner Sanctum story, directed by Hyman Brown and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup, next week's story is about a vampire. He's a very stingy fellow. As when you go out with him, the drinks are always on you. <laughs> Naturally, we're going to try to make him feel at home here, so uh, I've just ordered a good supply of bats with green eyes, a coffin for him to sleep in, and a wooden stake to drive through his heart. I wouldn't stake my life on it, friends, but he may visit you before next Tuesday. <laughs> Until then, good night. Pleasant dreams? Hmm? <laughs> Easy to make and easy to take. That's Lipton's Noodle Soup, the perfect opening dish for your cold-weather menus. Lipton's Noodle Soup has that real chickeny flavor your family likes so much, and it has that wonderful, fresh-cooked, homemade goodness. You can prepare Lipton's Noodle Soup in a jiffy, too, and it's oh so kind to your budget. Costs less and makes more than canned soups. So don't forget to serve Lipton's Noodle Soup. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. guys that does it for mr robert newman and his two episodes written by him i hope you guys have enjoyed my podcast so far if you're new to the podcast and this is your first time listening to it welcome to the show please go back and listen to my first episode on mr orson wells and if you're a continued subscriber, I once again thank you 
I appreciate everyone who has listened and subscribed to my podcast. Stay tuned for the coming weeks, guys, as we have such writers, producers, and directors as Lucille Fletcher, Anton M. Leader, Mr. Orson Welles, and Mr. Alfred Hitchcock, and then stay tuned as we welcome back to the show this coming Friday, Miss Lucille Ball, with co-star Mr. Richard Denning in the CBS comedy show, My Favorite Husband. Then stay tuned for the following week as we have the comedy dynamic duo Abbott and Costello and then stay tuned for every coming Friday this month as we welcome Jack Benny and we welcome back Mr. Bob Hope to the show and we welcome our Mrs. Brooks in the meantime guys you can subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes of my podcast by going to Spotify, Google, Apple, CastBox, Podcast Addicts, and wherever else you get your podcasts from, and type in the search engine Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast, and it should pull my podcast right up. I hope I have succeeded in chilling your spine this evening if you've liked the show please comment and subscribe guys have a great night thanks and welcome to the show this coming tuesday guys mr arch obler in his two episodes to chill our spines i hope you guys have enjoyed the show please comment and subscribe guys and have a great night thanks